It is good to be in L.A. So you can get your face in the camera. You know, I figured if I was going to see something 20 or 25 times, I ought to know more about it. You're the best son money can buy. It's a monkey. Well, sure, it's a monkey. But aside from that, it's a vivid, wonderful film. Entertainment is part of what makes us exceptional. I'm not, I'm not criticizing Hollywood. Without Derek Zoolander, male modeling wouldn't be what it is today. I, I mean, I have to say, when I, when I heard that, like, people actually watch this show, I was, I was actually pretty surprised. Welcome to the 10th episode of Watching Mates. I'm this week's host, Michael Levito, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Leapin' Lars Emerson. There you go. There's some alliteration for you. <laughs> yeah, you did Magnanimous Mike last week, so I feel like I had to do something. Have you not noticed that I do, like, a an M-M every time? Yeah, yes, I have. Okay. Um, but I always forget about it when it's, when it's my time to host, so I never am doing it for you. Anyway. No, that's okay. Um... This is our podcast in which we explore trends in film and cinema under each post-war president. As we crest from episode to episode, Truman to Eisenhower, Eisenhower to Kennedy, and so on, Lars and I each choose a film to capture the zeitgeist of that administration on the silver screen. In this episode, we'll be talking about America's 42nd president, William Jefferson Clinton. Known as Bill to his friends, Clinton got an early star in politics, getting elected as Arkansas's attorney general at the ripe age of 30. He would be elected governor of Arkansas two years later and, eventually in 1992, president, unseating the incumbent George H.W. Bush in one of the tightest elections in recent memory. Clinton was a standard bearer for the New Democrats, a centrist faction of the Democratic Party that pursued socially liberal goals but adopted more laissez-faire, market-oriented economic policies. He went as far as to say in 1996 that the era of big government was over. On the domestic front, he signed legislation that increased funding for law enforcement and prisons, as well as welfare reform, and found himself with a rare budget surplus, but failed to fulfill his vision for universal health care. On the foreign policy front, he signed the North American Free Trade Agreement, intervening in the Bosnia and Kosovo Wars, and ended up negotiating the peace agreements, and also took part in the Israeli-Palestinian and Northern Ireland peace process. One of those would be much more successful than the other. Despite his moderate record, if Clinton is known for one thing, it is his sexual relationship with White House intern Monica Lewinsky and his subsequent impeachment, only the second presidential impeachment in U.S. history. Clinton would not be convicted, however, and would leave office with some of the highest approval ratings that a president has had at the end of their term since 1945. Lars, what do you think of Bill Clinton's legacy? Yeah, he's, uh, I I feel like he's a rare president that became, like, way more popular uh, after his term, I, I feel like that did t- kind of take a hit around the 2016 election when his uh, wife, <laughs> uh, Hillary, you may have heard about her, um, when she ran, you know, kind of a lot of stuff got drudged up and, you know, stuff that was like very popular at the time of the 90s and is not so popular now, like the crime bill, uh, hanging out with Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it has like sort of tarnished his legacy, but from like a, I don't know, from a policy standpoint, I think, I mean, the dude had like a very high approval rating through like Bush and Obama's presidency, uh, even among Republicans, uh, who like very much hated him. So I, I I don't know. We, we could say mixed legacy, but, uh, a lot of, a lot of policy that, you know, people probably often forget. Yeah. It's funny. Like I, I understand why people don't like Bill Clinton 
Well, let's put it this way. I understand why Republicans don't like Bill Clinton from like a character standpoint. Like he's got yeah. a lot of problems in that department. But from like yeah. a policy standpoint, I mean, he was like extremely right. moderate <laughs> and achieved right. a lot of their goals as far as like welfare reform and things like that go. So I don't really, I never really completely understand the vitriol from like that point. I, I think like generally my feelings that like whether or not you agreed with like his policies per se, he was effective. Kind of like Reagan too, right? It's like yeah. he got what he wanted to get done um and obviously yes he there's this huge black mark on his record not just with Lewinsky sort of sex scandals plagued him throughout his political career but it 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 really kind of became his defining feature I think in the minds of a lot of people um and I think really sort of colored their attitudes towards him towards Hillary I think to the Democratic Party in general yeah that's that's fair I don't know not not to not to buff him up too much because i do think there's like a pretty objective read on him that's that's there it's just i I think i mean the the economy under his presidency and like some of the like deregulation and like internationalism like i get i get that he was like super blessed in terms of when he came to office and what he presided over in terms of the economy and world affairs like he's like the first president not to have to deal with world affairs in what (laughs) A hundred yeah. years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not to harp too much. But it's kind of like you were saying how Republicans don't like him now. But I actually feel like in terms of international policy, he has a lot more in common with Trump than he does either of the Bushes or Obama. Right. He he mm-hmm. kind of took a step back and was like this, you know, this maybe isn't our problem, which I'm not saying well, is the right thing to do. I, but. I think I think in a lot of ways he kind of like actually it was the most effective version of what Bush tried to do in a way. Cause he did get involved in like Bosnia and things like that. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it was never to the point of like, all right, let's completely overthrow everything. <laughs> and there was also like very urgent, you know, urgent, like there was just a legitimate genocide happening in Bosnia. Like you had to do something. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. As like opposed my... to that other legitimate genocide that happened under his watch. But yeah. Oh yes. Yes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Rwanda, I believe you're referring to. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like I I look at like if you're uh, if you're looking at this from like a Republican perspective, I don't see how you could argue that Bill Clinton was not the best Cold War post Cold War president. Right. If we're <laughs> considering H W the for the a, a Cold War president, like I don't like unless you're completely delusional, you cannot make the argument for either Bush or Trump. Like. And right. I assume you hate Obama and Biden because you're a Republican. So you, even, like, even though they're probably both more moderate than Bill Clinton, <laughs> yeah. but whatever. Yeah. But Bill Clinton balanced the budget, Lars. <laughs> Bill Clinton is white and he tried to put criminals in jail. Yes. He spoke out about against Sister Soldier. Right. You know. It's it's fun. You know, we're finally in presidents we lived under. It's this, true. This is exciting. I, I mean, I was... Uh, seven when he left, six when he left office. But yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Right. The rules of the podcast they dictate that Lars and I each have to choose a film that came out within the president's administration, give or take year. In Clinton's case, that means films coming out starting in 1992 and ending in 2001. Uh, Lars, let's go with your movie first. What did you pick? Yeah. Thanks for kicking it over here, Mike. I went with the 1997 film Wag the Dog, directed by Barry Levinson. Stars Dustin Hoffman, Robert De Niro, Anna Hesch, uh, Woody Harrelson, Jim Belushi (laughs) in an odd role, and Willie Nelson (laughs) in another odd role. 
I didn't realize Jim Belushi was that high up on the building. <laughs> I, I know. I'm just reading. He's off in the like castle. a two minute scene. Yeah. As himself um, go on. It is, you know, it's it's a it's ostensibly a comedy, and it's it's set basically in the final weeks of a presidential election in which there is an incumbent president uh, who is hmm accused of sexual misconduct. You know, his team kind of calls in these fixers if you will to like figure out what to do and they decide they're going to distract the public uh, until the election via a (laughs) fake war in albania yes and that is the plot of this movie (laughs) it's uh i i had never seen it but i know you had mike yeah it, it ran on like i think it was showtime a lot when i had showtime and uh, my room at the time, Lewis, another post writer person, would watch a lot. Yeah, well, just the point, it's it's like, so Robert De Niro's like a fixer, but he hires Dustin Hoffman, who is yeah. a Hollywood producer, right. to come with sort of like the finer details of what's going on. Yeah, this is like a movie. I, I think it's a good movie. I think it was done better in the future in movies like In the Loop and shows like Veep and also shows like... Um, the one that In the Loop is based on, the thick of it. Yeah. Um, I think there are like better versions of this movie, especially when they get to the Woody Harrelson part. I feel like it kind of goes a little over the top. But I think generally, like Dustin Hoffman's like great in this movie. Um, he, he, he is. Was, he was nominated for an Oscar. He's like legitimately very funny as this very sort of like vain, um, stereotypical Hollywood producer. Yeah. I, I really appreciate his role. I don't I, the costuming was odd with like Robert De Niro's, <laughs> Robert De Niro's like, hat. hat. <laughs> and his like bow ties and stuff. Yeah, um, kind of strange. A very cynical movie. A very dark movie. It is. It it felt. <laughs> it it honestly felt to me more like a pre-Clinton or post-Clinton movie because I I feel like creating fake pretenses to go to war is like way more Reagan or Bush than it is Clinton, right? I was gonna say it's actually like a very prescient movie in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like they end up faking like they end up faking the capture and half faking the death of a service um, who actually dies, but not for the reasons they say, which literally like not the, not the faking the capture part, but like misrepresenting the death of servicemen literally happened in the Iraq war. Pat Tillman, the football player, mm. like who ended up enlisting the army going to Iraq. He was killed like by friendly fire. That was not revealed until like months or years after the fact. And everybody thought it was like, he died in combat. Yeah. Like, this like stuff like this literally happened under the Bush administration. It's very it's very prescient in that way. Right. Yeah. It, it feels very. Uh, it feels like a very neocon kind of movie. Yeah. I, I don't know. So I I had never seen it, but I do. I, I, I this idea of like fixers in the post Watergate era. This is kind of the first film we've really gotten to that has an element like that. I just think it it. Like, I guess, I don't know. I, I struggled to connect it so directly with Clinton because, you know, ostensibly this message is like, here's how we're going to, like, sneak this election for this incumbent president who's, like, very popular at the start of the movie, they say. Mm-hmm. He's up by, like, 17 points or whatever, which that's around where Clinton was. But but it, it kind of leaves out the it, – it trivializes something that Clinton did, right? Is Clinton's victory was, like, calculated and brilliant and, like, a – giant landslide against bob dole you know the most exciting man in politics <laughs> we'll talk about bob dole later <laughs> yeah this takes the president completely out of it which which sort of annoyed me because i thought the president was going to be a little more of a character so so 
That is that is sort of my complaint. The thing I think this film demonstrates well, however, is the incumbency advantage. And Clinton is our first Democrat <laughs> in this show to ever win re-election. That is true. Um, like, technically Johnson, but he was never elected to begin with, right? Like technically Truman. Yeah, but I'm, but he's the only one to have actually been elected twice. Yes, yeah. By, by the American people. Mm-hmm. And this, this movie, you know, they talk about how we're going to produce our own reality. We have all the tools to do so. That it got me things like that is very much the case if you are the sitting president. It's why it is so difficult to unseat a sitting president. It happens, you know, what, 90 percent of the cases, I believe, historically speaking, um, that the incumbent president wins reelection. But it's like you have just such an advantage sitting in the White House. And Clinton feels like the first Democrat to really uh, capitalize on that by not by pulling dirty tricks, but by, you know, moving to the middle and kind of producing the American reality. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he and he sets off a record of three uh, consecutive two term presidents, which I think was. Is that a record? It, feels it, like is, it, it is actually tied for a record with Jefferson, Madison and Monroe. Yeah. So it's not something <laughs> that happens very often, to say right. the least. Yeah, it's interesting, right, because. This movie, and the way I'm kind of thinking about this one with other movies, so I actually think this movie is kind of like, even though it was made by like very famous liberal people, I think this movie is in a way like a conservative critique of Clinton and of like the liberal establishment in that it is about like the collaboration between like Hollywood and an ostensibly Democratic politician. They never actually say he's Democrat, but I assume he is. And, 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 and just covering up sort of like the sex kind of thing and and like just like the idea that it's not a fair playing field you know the president is exerting his influence in sort of like undue ways right because it wasn't just the winsky scandal right there was also the whitewater controversy which was probably overblown clinton and infidelity there have been rumors and facts going exactly that's yeah. right and it's just like it's the old john mulaney bit about bill clinton right where he talked about his dad who was a republican and he said that he and who, and who went to georgetown with bill clinton and that he hated Bill Clinton because he could get away with anything. And then right. John Mulaney says, you can imagine how he felt later. It's like, yeah. I kind of feel, I, I feel like this is the movie is like the, this is the liberals get away with everything movie, right? And I was thinking too, and we'll talk about this again more of the second movie is that I feel like, so we talked um, a lot during, I think the Kennedy episode at first about the idea of sort of like the celebrity president. Mm. And I actually think that it certainly starts with Kennedy but I think it really starts to sort of calcify and become the norm a little bit with the Clintons in the sense that I think that a real sort of purience sets in among all the media, especially the right wing media, but all the media, the tabloid media and the American populace as well. Right. It's like the controversy of Clinton is not his policies. His policies are very popular. The controversy is his personal life. Right. And it's not it's not just him who's the target of it. It's Hillary who's the Clinton target of it. It's his daughter who's very young who's also the target of it. Right. And I yeah. think that, again, this is a movie that it's this is not this movie is not about policy. Right. It's about the appearance of policy. But it is really about sort of like the the image of the president. I sort of also see this film as a critique on the right. Right. Because I mean, you think about I mean, you've got you know, arguably the realigning election, if there is, if there has been one since Reagan is, you know, the 94 midterm. That's mm-hmm. what people have said. That is yeah. like the, the Republican revolution, right? With Gingrich mm-hmm. comes to power. You have a lot of this stuff kind of fomenting in the mid 
90s, including the formation of Fox News, by the way. And it's I, I you know, it's these producers, it's, you know, these these fixers and that they're basically telling you that, like, America is manipulatable and we can convince them of anything. And, you know, a thing that's been said about the Clintons and more so Bill, but it's been <laughs> yelled at to Hillary is, is you know, there's a, there's a, there's just there's a lot of smoke with them. Mm-hmm. And that ended up. Yes, there was a fire in Bill's case, but it was not. Was it a fire that mattered? You know, who knows? In Hillary's case, there was just a lot of smoke and, you know, actually no fire. But, <laughs> you know, there is like a sense it's like someone figured out how to manipulate the American public to like show them, you know, the Clintons are evil. And like, here's how we can explain, (laughs) here's how we can like tell the, the public that this is the case without like yelling it at them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that they're playing with us. (laughs) I I don't think there's maybe an argument to me that this is kind of maybe a critique of like the sort of like Clinton Democrats in general. Right. It's like, I think about, I don't know why this scene stuck with me, but it's like, so eventually what happens is, is like they they fake that this serviceman was like held behind the Albanian lines. They get the name of a guy and he gets, they have this whole plan where they're going to sort of like stage his return stateside. So they go pick him up at an airport in like Oklahoma. It turns out he's actually like criminally insane. And they're, it's it's in the middle of a thunderstorm and they're flying from Oklahoma to Washington their plane, we assume, gets struck by lightning. <laughs> yeah. Like something. But actually, everyone but, survives. But the pilots. The pilot? Yeah. They, they never show them. But everybody yeah. but the pilots survive. And Anne Hesh's character is yelling at uh, Dustin Hoffman, like, what do we do now, you liberal commie fuck? And, like, he's just really, like, hammering home, like, the liberal commie part of it. And I feel like it's this kind of, it might be also this critique of, like, you know, we finally, after 12 long years, we finally elected a Democrat. And yet... He is behaving just like the Republicans in a way, right? He still has the scandals of a Nixon and of a Reagan. And the second something goes bad for him, he, he's going to turn on us progressives, just like everyone else has. I feel like there's like an undercurrent of that, too, possibly. I It, it just, I don't know. It was kind of, I mean, to kind of go full circle here. It's just sort of, I, I don't know. Clinton is bookended by two presidents who have more arguably committed treason, right? In the Bush-Reagan case, that's, you know, the Iran-Contra thing. And mm-hmm. in the Bush-following case, you know, there's that whole... <laughs> we all know what George There's, there's a number of things. Did. Yeah. yeah. Do, do I think either of them would ever have been, like, convicted of treason or necessarily... I, I, no, I, I don't... I, I'm not, like, a burn-it-all-down kind of liberal or anything. But, like, like for, <laughs> kind of objectively worse than than... I guess lying about an affair, and this this film kind of makes the affair into something way more insidious, right? Is there is actual like you know lying about truths and mm-hmm. creating a war like that? How is that not treasonous, right? Yeah, uh, that is literally what George W. Bush did. <laughs> I guess to the point where the CIA even tries to like stop them from causing the war, right? They're definitely, definitely Clinton ties, but I, I I don't know. I don't love it for Clinton. That's fair enough. It, I think it, it yeah, it more so just sort of like a general. I feel like this brand of cynicism was like very in in the 90s, you know. It's so weird because you think of it as like an optimistic time. Yeah. Later on. 
But at the same time, it's also when, like, grunge and new metal happened. Like, I don't know, you know, for yeah, whatever reason. Yeah, that's the early 90s. Like, new metal this was, is... like, the late 90s, though. I don't, I don't know. I think of that more as the boy band. <laughs> did you like um, how Patrick Leahy gets mentioned? I did, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know him. That's a real what, guy. What is Hoffman Combs like? It's like... <laughs> It's like Senator, like, short knee or something. It's like knee-high of Vermont. Yeah, yeah knee-high. Governor knee-high of Vermont. And they're like, yeah. do you mean Senator Leahy? <laughs> yeah, that's a real guy. Yeah. Still around. Still around, yeah. One, one of the few senators, guy who was a senator at the time, who's still a senator now. Anything else on Wag the Dog? No. Okay. So we could then move on to my movie, which is The American President, what an aptly named film. Uh, it's from 1995, directed by Rob Reiner, written by Aaron Sorkin, starring Michael Douglas, Annette Benning, Martin Sheen, David Paymer, Samantha Mathis, and Michael J. Fox. This movie is about Michael Douglas, who plays the American president, a guy named Andy Shepard, who is a widower and who is trying to push in, in, a, in a clearly fictional scenario, trying to push through legislation, which presidents can't really do, like. It, it he, seems he like he introduces they, a White House resolution. Yes. Which is A, a resolution is not legislation, and B, the White House can't introduce bills. <laughs> no, it can't. It makes me very angry. But they're working on both environmental legislation and like gun control legislation. And what happens is is that one of the environmental think tanks that is pressuring him on the environmental legislation hires a lobbyist to be their political director. They have a meet cute at the White House. They fall in love and start dating, and his relationship with her kind of becomes this complicating factor in his presidency and his need to be reelected and his sort of attempts to get this legislation passed. Lars, what, what did you think of this movie? Yeah, so I'd seen this movie once before in high school. I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I mean, The West Wing is literally my favorite show of all time, and this is like a dry run practice for The West Wing. Yeah. I think now that I'm watching it, I mean, at least a decade later, geez. I think this film portrays itself as a lot more sophisticated than it actually is. And it's actually closer to like a Hallmark movie, <laughs> which is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of annoying because the West Wing is like, there's some very good writing and like really good scenes there and like good monologues. People love West Wing monologues, right? And they're like over the top, but it's intentional. And I don't know, in this one, it just, I mean, like <laughs> the like, I guess the dramatic climax of this movie is... You know, she is like breaking up with him. She's like, "You've got bigger problems than losing me. You're losing my vote." <laughs> and I like started giggling. It was so ridiculous. So yeah, it's a little hallmarky. It's definitely more optimistic than Wag the Dog. Yeah, I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, I feel bad because I know this is my mother enjoys this movie, um, and I had seen bits and pieces of it like through her. Yeah, it, it's not it's not a movie I would see myself returning to too often. It's pretty corny. It's very Capra esque, I think. Like they actually mention Frank Capra, and I think this is supposed to be Capra esque. And it's just very like I don't I don't really know what it's supposed to be. Right? Is it a romantic comedy? Is it a movie about politics? Is it something in between? I can't really tell. It, it tries to be too much of both. It's it does, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. But like you said, it, it's much more optimistic. And I, like I said, I, I think you could maybe read Wag the Dog as the conservative critique of Clinton. I think this is at once the liberal endorsement and critique of Clinton as well. 
in the sense where it's like, you know, I, I think it's the, there is a sense again, even though this was before the Lewinsky scandal, there is sort of a sense of like, you know, the that the engines of sort of outrage about his the president's relationship with this lobbyist are engineered by Republicans. What's his name? Uh, the guy. Um, oh, the the Republican. Yeah. Senator Bob Runson. Um, who the Senate Minority Leader from Kansas, yes. yeah, mm. <laughs> uh, played by Richard Dreyfuss, is, is like basically twirling a mustache throughout this movie. <laughs> like he is cartoonishly He's so evil. evil. He, he looks kind of seen in like the like smoke room when they're yeah. all plotting their evil plot. So and funny. The president has a girlfriend, <laughs> <laughs> and he he's running for president against President Shepard. He looks a lot like Dick Cheney, for by the way. Um, I don't know if you also felt the same way, but I feel like he, he did. And so I, I think this idea, it's like, well, you know, like the Republicans, they're just trying to tear down and also betray America's values by making issues of things like ACLU membership and flag burning and things right. like that. And, you know, sort of the end, this movie really ends with this like dramatic monologue that Michael Douglas gives. Because um, what happens is, is that Annette Benning an old photograph services of her at a anti-apartheid protest where a flag is being burned. And it becomes this big issue and he gets up on the stage and he says, you know, he gives this whole speech about like, you know, the First Amendment and what the freedom of speech actually means and how it means that, you know, there should be somebody who says things that you disagree with, but you can't do anything about it. And how, you know, we should think of the flag as as not just a, a symbol, but but something that can be burned, he basically says, and that um, there's nothing wrong with the ACLU and that. Yes, he is, in fact, going to take away guns, get them off the streets and and all of this stuff and, and very directly calls out uh, Senator Rumson. And I, I think in a way it's Aaron Sorkin. There, there's like liberal wish fulfillment, right? It's like what Aaron Sorkin, the speech Aaron Sorkin wishes Bill Clinton would have given, I think. Yes, I, I feel like every. <laughs> Also, West Wing is just the president that Aaron Sorkin oh, yeah. wishes yes, George yes. W. Bush and or Bill Clinton were. Yeah, yeah, it is. So this is it's about a Washington that works, though. Right. Which is <laughs> Clinton's is kind of. Yes, I guess it really ends mostly under Bush is that's mm-hmm. when Washington really stops working. But Clinton's like the last full president in which Washington works, despite the fact that like, there's clearly problems. There's you know government shutdowns and hostile Congress, but it's like, you know, crime bill and and, you know, there's this like pragmatism around winning elections. It's like we got to fight the fights we can win. And like, yeah, we, we can push for this, but then we'll take a, a cut. We'll make a deal. And, you know, they're talking it's like we're going to win reelection in like a walk and they're, they're doing it all. And they're like talking. It's like 10 years from now, there'll be no internal combustion engines. <laughs> yeah. Oops. But it is. Yes, it very much reads as a criticism of the Republican Party in this time. I mean, you've got, I mean, you've you've got the the opposition kind of saying it's like it's not about policy. I think they literally say it's like it comes down to character is what we have to make a selection about. Um, It's like this is about oh well, and they say it's like he has never served one day in uniform. Mm -hmm. Bill Clinton is the first president since Roosevelt to have not served in the military. And the fact that he was a Democrat is like, you know, Republicans are very like rah-rah military. That that was, I mean, that was a complaint lodged against him, right? And, you know, there's like, I feel like in that smoke-filled 
cigar like planning evil session it's like someone's like well why are we attacking him on this none of this is important and it's like who cares about his character and they're like the only thing that matters is his character yes it's so evil mm-hmm. i like how the libyans are also the like enemies in this one too. yes yes the libyans as opposed what's the made-up country in the west wing oh kumar kumar yes. <laughs> That, that is a, a very, like, weird... I feel like it's just because, like, he was like, well, you have to have something about foreign policy in here. Like, it's a very, like, odd scene where he, like, orders this airstrike that he knows is going to kill, like, some people who had nothing to do with the bombings. And he's like, he's like, this is the least presidential thing I've ever done. He's very sad about it. Well, and then there's, like, a a press conference the next day where they're, like, haranguing <clears throat> him. It's like, who's your... <laughs> what about the girl? <laughs> and it's like... And it's like a lot of people were killed last night. Let's let's try to keep our eyes on the ball. It's mm-hmm. kind of the it's like this is what actually matters. Your you know thoughts on his girlfriend don't really matter. Yeah, as as what like I, I kind of was, I mentioned with like Douglas again. It's like this very sort of like tabloid view of the presidency, right? You know, it is it is not about policy. It is about character, which. I think character is important to being president. I think we've certainly seen that very recently. But a lot of times character can sort of be misconstrued to mean something that it's not. So, yeah. And, and like, you know, it's like, you know, he's, he's trying to get people back back to focus on policy. Right. He's like, we're trying to get, actually get get things done. But otherwise, very, very optimistic movie. I don't know. I did kind of struggle with the like the, the point is that he has he literally does not have a wife. <laughs> Yes. Um, and I was like, how do you make a, a movie? In, in I mean, at least we actually see the president in this movie, right? That's kind of helpful. Mm. As we see kind of how the president is being viewed on screen. But it's like, how do you mo- make a movie about Bill Clinton or about a president in Bill Clinton's era and not have like a wife? Because I feel like Hillary's kind of important. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't true. Know. It was but I mean, it's, but it's, it's a similar thing, though, right? It's like his female companion is under a lot of scrutiny and is sort of like coloring how people think about his administration right yeah. even if it's not actually he's not literally married to her there there are there i don't know i feel like there are some things about there's that he has that whole speech about how the reason the relationship isn't working is because she's like intimidated by his power and like the point is he's trying to like no he's like he's like i get it it's fine like we have to like kind of I, I i have to fix that like that Cena's not aged well, like post Clinton, <laughs> where there was like very clearly a relationship with a power imbalance that was abused. Right. But yeah. Well, and I like how her boss. Well, I sorry, I don't like this, but it's an interesting part of the movie. It's her boss, you know, is like pushing her. It's like, did you sleep with him? And, she, and she's like, that's personal. And he's like, when it's the president, it's not personal, which also just feels very clean. I, I also like how he reads the Washington Times. Which is yeah, an actual yeah. like right wing newspaper in Washington. I assume yeah. they just didn't know that it didn't exist, and they're like, we can't say the Post, so we'll say the Times instead. It's for, for a movie written by people who so clearly like. I mean, like, uh, oh my god, <laughs> the opening credits to this movie, by the way, piss me off because it's like these odd, it's like these audacious like portraits. It's very like, self great man. Um, and then it turns into like a Hallmark movie, mm. and it's you know. You'd trust that these people would have at least done like a semblance of research about what they're talking about. But no, we've got a White House resolution coming to Congress, people. Yeah. Oh, God. Also, 
this is completely side. I did not remember at all that Michael J. Fox was in this movie. Yeah, he actually um, has like the best speech in this movie. I kind of think when he's like yelling at the president in the Oval Office. Mm-hmm. I like that part. Yeah, it's a lot more memorable than like Martin Sheen in this movie. Yes, in his and he, but but apparently you know he usurped Michael Douglas as Aaron Sorkin's president of choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Oh God. Any other thoughts on the American president? No, it is. Uh, you know, I would still give it three out of five stars. Yeah, it's, it's if it's fine. your thing, it's, it's your thing. It's, it's 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 certainly watchable. It's just you know, it's just you know, it's it's it's. Do you like romantic? The thing is, like, it is a romantic comedy. Do you like romantic comedies? Then you'll yeah. probably like this. Don't do not go come to this and for expect political accuracy. No, do not. No. <laughs> All right. Well, we talked about we talked about the American president Lars. What conclusions can we draw about the Clinton era from either of these movies? Or film yeah. the Clinton era, I should say. Yeah, well, they're both about an infidelity, or a, I guess the last one's not an infidelity. It is in the eyes of the Bible, though. Uh, <laughs> I, I think there's there's a couple things. So there's there's an expectation or an acceptance of, like, scandal, which, you know, Clinton also coincides with, like, like I said, like the rise of Fox News, kind of the rise. I mean, the, the Internet starts to exist under him. God damn it. It's like the, the president's every I mean, nowadays you can find where the president is at, at any given time. And I know that because I do it for a living. And it's just like, you know where he is. You know what he's doing. You know exactly what he said instantly. Right. And Clinton just happened to be kind of the unlucky guy who had to go through that first. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's kind of like we were saying. Are we pretending that Clinton is the only president to have had an affair? No, I don't think <laughs> any of us are, are that dumb. But uh, he definitely was the first one to get caught doing it because the like internet and newspapers like were following him, and mm-hmm. they could all talk to each other. This is what's another fun thing about this year is this is the first year we've had two DC movies, and these are actually our mm-hmm. second and third. DC movies. The only other one we've done is Dr. Strangelove. But mm-hmm. now both of our movies are literally about a president. As I predicted, <laughs> I predicted our movies are going to start being about presidents. Yeah. Um, in, I've mentioned States of the Union, the essay series by Adam Naiman a lot. And he points out that, like, for whatever reason, the 90s were like the golden age of presidential representation in film. There are a lot, like, there's this, there's Air Force One. Um, yeah. I think in the line of fires like 89 or the early 90s, there's Dave, I think, comes out around this time, too. Uh, just just for whatever reason, a lot of a lot of movie presidents at this time. Yeah, I think what you said, I, you know, there's a sense of like it's interesting where even though I, I think stands up those movies is like I find that the stakes are relatively low as far as like a crisis goes. Right. It's mm-hmm. like none of them. I mean, like. One's dealing with like a fake war, and there is the whole Libya subplot in the American president. But it's like, by and large, it's kind of acknowledged as like peacetime and as like a not particularly tumultuous political time. And I think in a way, there's a there's maybe a sense of like decadence that sets in or perceived decadence, right? I mean, uh, the Republicans in 2000 and George W. Bush's campaign, they basically ran on the premise of like restoring honor to the presidency after the Lewinsky scam. There's something non-traditional about Clinton, right? He's the first mm. baby boomer president, right? He went to Vietnam War protests. He was essentially a hippie when he was younger. And I think there's a sense that, like, there's something non-traditional going on here, and that's wrong. 
and or, or there are at least some people who view that as wrong and something that has to be corrected. Mm. Um, and, and I think you maybe get that sense a little bit, too. Well, there's also a uh, this is kind of a through line through both of these movies, but I think it's also it also applies to like a lot of kind of famous 90s movies. Like I'm thinking mostly of like seven and the usual suspects and like uh, I mean, I guess you could include like the sixth sense, too. There's like a lot of kind of movies like that where it's like people are being clever at the expense of the audience, right? And it's like, and at the end, it's like, and it was me all along. And it's like, we're smarter than you. And it's, it's, you see a rise of like, I would identify as a neoliberal, but like you, you know, neoliberalism has been critiqued, uh, especially post financial crisis. It's like, these are people who thought they were smarter than everyone else. Then mm-hmm. they'd like totally drop the ball. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think the 90s is like the peak of that because neoliberalism was actually like mostly working in the 90s. Mm-hmm. There's, just, there's just a lot of, you know what I mean? There's like a lot of movies. It's like heist. I mean, like Oceans comes like the early 2000s, but like it's still kind of that vibe, right? It's like these people are smarter than you. Yeah. And we're going to show mean, you. And then you kind of have like the reaction to that and like Fight Club too. A, a bit of that too. Yeah, it's definitely like the, to borrow a piece of like Marx's jargon, right? But there's a lot of stuff about like the professional managerial class, right? It's like the idea that they have kind of like inherited the earth and are, are just like more confident, more competent rather, and more, and sort of smarter and they're running stuff. And like, damn it, if we can just be persuasive, if I can just get up there and make a speech about sort of logic and real, realism and idealism, then people won't care about my, my flag burning girlfriend anymore. Um, <laughs> It would have been a terrible speech in real life. Like, it, yeah, it, it it is way too defensive, and I, you know, you're just not gonna. If you're president, you're just not gonna win when you're defending flag burning, which should be legal. Let's make that clear. But um, not not a popular cause. Also, just like such a '90s problem. Like, <laughs> you yes. know what I mean? It's just like we have more important problems to deal with now than like whether or not people can burn the flag. I, I mean, hey, a, a amendment almost passed in 2006. Yeah, I know. Well, I think that does it for this edition of Watching Mates. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. You can uh, subscribe to this podcast and listen to it wherever podcasts are listened to and subscribed to. Uh, my name is Mike Levito. You can find me on Twitter at MLevito and Letterboxd at Ameramike. And I'm Lars Emerson. You can find me on Letterboxd at Lars Emerson. You can find both our work and this podcast on thepostwriter.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Sign up to write things. Contact us and tell us what you think about the podcast and about our written work. I'm Mike Levito again saying thanks for listening.